everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Skeptically Inclined Science Podcast, episode 27. On today's episode, we are joined by Professor Ham Bruner. Professor Bruner is the head of the Department in Human Genetics at Radboud University Hospital. Ham, he is involved in the research into the genetics of a lot of mental disabilities and cognitive diseases. Uh, and most notably, he is known for his research into the MAOA gene, also known as the aggression or sometimes referred the warrior gene. Um, it was a really interesting discussion uh, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks. Hello, Professor Brunner. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we are very grateful because we know, I know how busy you are <laughs> seeing you in the department, always walking, always being busy. So first, can you introduce yourself to our audience, explain uh, your area of expertise and your current position, if you don't mind? Yeah, sure. Well, hi, Thomas, and hi, Evan. Uh, it's very nice to be on the podcast. I'm Han Brunner. I'm Dutch. Um, I went to medical school in the 1980s. I'm now 65 years old, and for the last 35 years, I've been in human genetics. Uh, and um, my background is medical, so I see people and families with, uh, with inherited disease or questions about um, inheritance and disease. Um, our main focus is on uh, problems to do with the brain, so intellectual disability or autism or behavioral problems. And uh, so that's what I do. Uh, and I really love that. It's, a, it's, a, it's interesting, but it's also rewarding because, you know, these families uh, are often very happy when you clarify their situation. Mm. Uh, and I've also been uh, head of department for uh, a number of years now. So I'm kind of uh, combining these these uh, different things. Yeah, I would imagine it's, it's not an easy job. Um, and I have a follow-up question, actually. What made you want to pursue medicine first and then uh, focusing on the, on the area of genetics, of human genetics? I think it was curiosity. I was also always very curious about how things work. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started medicine trying to, because I was interested in, in, in how the brain works and how people work and uh, not so much disease really. So um, when I was towards the end of my studies, I wasn't too sure what I was going to do. I knew I was never going to be a surgeon because I really, you know, I'm, I'm hopeless with my hands. So I couldn't do that. And I knew I could solve problems, but I wasn't sure what I was going to, to use that skill for. So I really looked around and then genetics seemed very attractive because it has this, this really technical side to it, which I like, mm -hmm. you know, the puzzles and, and how do things work. But then also, you know, it really is about people and what makes them tick. So I, I, um, I but I found it this really late in my studies, like in the last year, oh. I was getting a bit desperate thinking, you know, what am I going to do? And then I, I, I stumbled upon genetics and I, I thought, you know, this is it. And, and that's how it turned out to be. Yeah. Wow, brilliant. Perfect fit, it seemed like. Um, yeah, so and your research into the MAOA gene, it's one of the most renowned pieces of your research. Maybe if you could explain what it is and what happens when it may not be expressed correctly. Yeah, so MAOA uh, deficiency, so a, a lack of the MAOA gene and its function. Uh, we found that, um, again, uh, almost 30 years ago, uh, and it was because of a family that, that came to my clinic. So basically, they just mm -hmm. walked through the door and said, we have a problem. And then we researched it. 
and it turned out that there was this defective gene called MEOA, monoamine oxidase. Mm-hmm. Um, and the gene was known, but there, no one had ever seen um, the, uh, a deficiency, you know, a, a, mm. a, a, a dysfunctional gene or, or a dysfunction of that particular gene. So that was new. And the, 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 the curious and really fascinating thing about it is that if this gene doesn't work, then that affects your, your behavior in quite major ways. So this is what the family um, came to see me about. They said, mm-hmm. well, actually, they didn't say so much it was about the behavior. They said, you know, we have a problem in the family that some of the men are different yeah. and they have problems, but they weren't very – the family was actually quite reluctant to discuss, mm. you know, the specifics because yeah, it, it, is, it is hard. You know, it's yeah. hard to them. It's hard for the family because it really is about – behaviors that can be quite abnormal and quite disruptive and quite embarrassing frankly yeah yeah and how like how did you like how did you take it serious because i'm sure you've seen a lot of people come in and how did you like know okay there's something wrong here that that there there was something wrong i think the thing that really convinced me was that they had worked it out okay so they had made a pedigree Mm. And the pedigree was very convincing. So, and actually, the pedigree was made. You know, I saw them in in the nineteen eighties, um, but uh, the pedigree was made in the nineteen fifties mm. by someone you know um, who had since died, I think. So, a, a, a granduncle of the person who came to see me, and, oh, and wow. he'd gone around the the country, visiting different branches of the family. And and making you know making notes on, wow. on whether they had the problem, uh, so there's a description of that, and and the, so when the family came to my uh, clinic, they had a written report, uh, basically on themselves by a granduncle, yeah. and it has a title and it says a curious case. Oh, and then it says from nineteen. You know, I'm making this from 1939 to 1956. I was teaching in special education. And I often wondered about um, the causes of, and he calls it mental um, disability. Mm. He uses uh, the Latin uh, phrase, he says, debilitas mentis. And it says, you know, I, I often wondered about his causes. And then he says, and then I encountered a family from which I learned that this could be inherited, but it ran along strange lines. Now, he doesn't say, the person writing this report doesn't mm-hmm. say, this is my own family, but we know it was his own family. Oh, okay, okay. wow. <laughs> because his brother had quite, and this was probably what motivated him. I never met the, the guy who wrote this, mm-hmm. uh, but this was probably what motivated him, that his brother um, had, you know, he had um, some pretty bad things he'd, he'd um he, there was attempted yeah. rape of a sister, and he was sent to prison. The brother, not the guy writing this, yeah. but the yeah, guy. So yeah. he, that's probably what motivated him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he went around the family, uh, drew up the pedigree or describes the pedigree, and then at the end of this report, which is sort of written, he says, um, "So from this, I learned that the bilitas mentis could be inherited, but I noticed it was only." Um, the females who transmitted this and only the men who were affected. Mm, Now, he he probably wasn't a biology teacher because he doesn't draw any conclusion, but to a geneticist, 
Yes. That's very strong. You know, that really suggests that this could be something on the X chromosome, uh, which is a pattern we know. It's called yes. X chromosomal inheritance. So, you know, that in itself, that it came with this really expressive... Um, detailed. Pedigree, detailed pedigree that they really had concluded as a family, you know, this is inherited. I thought that was very convincing. Yeah. If you look at it the other way around, if they hadn't come with a pedigree, if it had just been a single child, mm -hmm. you know, with behavioral problems, I would never have thought that this was anything yeah. specific. Yeah. So, That's, yeah. It's very, well, it was fortunate that they had, so then it ended up you uncovering this, uh, this defect. Um, yeah. So you mentioned like it does lead to this mental disability um, or this increased aggression. Like why does it translate to this um, as you got phenotype in these individuals? So that's a very good question. I don't think we have all the answers there. Mm. We have we have bits and pieces. So we know what the function of the gene is. That was known before. You know, we, found, we it, it was a known gene, and we know that it it um, regulates um, the metabolism of of neurotransmitters in in your brain. So neurotransmitters are used to signal from one brain cell to the yeah. other, and they're made constantly. They're produced, mm. and then they're when when the when the a, a neuronal cell fires, it releases these neurotransmitters. They then do their job. Then they are uh, recirculated. The recirculation of these neurotransmitters is something that is taken care of by MAOA, so by this gene. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't work, then um, you're going to have too much of these neurotransmitters because they're not actually um, uh, taken away. Uh, and that, obviously, that has an impact on how your brain uh, functions. Mm -hmm. Um, it really is a very basic, very basic gene for the brain. I think people would would have expected before we found this that if this gene didn't work, then probably you know you wouldn't have a brain. But it's not like that. The brain's much, much more robust and much stronger than that. But it does dysregulate the brain quite broadly. Um, we know partly how that works from from studies in mice mm -hmm. who who do not have this gene. You know, when the, 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 the gene is abnormal in the, in the mouse, then that also causes problems, including actually increased aggression in the mice. Um, but we can also see that, uh, and people have studied this, not myself, that the brain, the brain then is quite abnormal. Okay. So the connections between the, the brain cells are different and the function of, of the brain cells is different. So, so it has a lot of impact. Now, um, in the mouse, there's a suggestion that um, a big part of the problem is having this abnormal neurotransmitters in early development, so, so um, in, in childhood. Mm -hmm. And that some of the changes uh, in childhood uh, permanently change how your brain is wired. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, and then, of course, that would mean that, that there's not a lot you can do in adulthood when, when most of the problems are. However, there, that, uh, it may be that there's also, if you could normalize the, the neurotransmitters, and, and, and these are things like serotonin, 
or uh, noradrenaline or dopamine. So the main major neurotransmitters of the brain, if you can normalize them, perhaps that will always also normalize behavior, but we don't, we haven't, nobody's really, really tried that. We need to do that now because some of these families really want us to, to help. But it, is it, it's interesting that you note that. So is it just seeing continually from when they are young or is it just like at a certain stage, like after puberty that this aggression is really seen? Yeah, some of the things develop really after puberty and there, there are definitely more problems um, from puberty until um, sort of mid-adulthood. And, and to some extent, I think that's just normal, right? Yeah, well, boys, it, boys generally have more problems from uh, adolescence to to um, later adulthood. Yeah, uh, you know, early adulthood. So I think p- part of that is is basic biology uh, that is just more um, mm-hmm. more more susceptible and and they're more more likely to get into uh, uh, difficult situations. So I think that, that that's a part of it. Another part I think could be this this development of the brain and and the mm. impact of the gene. Yeah. Yeah. And and what is I think what is really interesting um, <clears throat> about your discovery is that as so far this is the only Dutch family that has been diagnosed uh, with this particular phenotype, which results from the uh, non-functioning gene. Um, it might it might sound like a silly question, but like how rare is to have this mutation if it's only present in 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 one in one family do you expect to see see it somewhere else oh yeah i do expect to see it somewhere else and actually we're now starting to see it in other places uh, mm. uh, because of uh, there's now u- almost ubiquitous genetic testing of all genes mm-hmm. uh, i don't think anybody ever recognized it from our description in another large family. But um, uh, there have been other um, people who have this, but they've usually been single individuals. So there was no family history, nothing, Mm -hmm. none of the clues that we had that sort of pointed us towards this. Uh, Mm. So, and these may just be too difficult, too hard to recognize. What you get is a child, a boy, who's a bit insecure, who has some learning disability and who has difficult behaviors. Now that combination is not rare. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of, you know, Mm. men and boys who have this combination and you wouldn't immediately think that, that there could be a gene defect behind this. So, um, so that's, I think why it hasn't been discovered. Now it is being discovered. I am now aware of about 10 or so, Oh, okay. um, other people who have this, including mm-hmm. a few a few small families, and I think the the the, the behavioral pattern is largely consistent. So the mutation that you describe in your paper in 1993, this is a, a substitution in exon eight, uh, as far as I remember. So these new individuals that you that are being found right now, are they carrying uh, the same mutation, or is it different mutation that results in the same? Uh, outcome. It's all different mutations. It's all different yeah. mutations. Okay. But the gene is defi- is not yeah. functional, so so yeah. the the ult- the the result is the same. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, so we 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 kind of mentioned on this mutation, but there are also known polymorphism within within that gene, which are not not the mutation, but they they are, they are obviously are much more common within the population than your, than the specific mutations, right? Yes. Yeah. 
interesting uh, and yeah and so if they are recognized in i suppose in this case in the dutch family you found like how was the family managed was anything could anything be done for to help them or well i think the family have been brilliant uh what they did is they kind of built a whole system around these men to uh, oh, wow. provide them a stable environment which is what you can do yeah wow. and if you if you provide the, so these people you know i the way i see it is they're vulnerable if you put them in a high stress complex situation they may you know if you will freak out yeah if you put them in a nice supportive uh care care uh, caring environment things will go a lot better so that's what the family has done and they've been quite successful at it mm-hmm. unfortunately that doesn't solve the problem completely so you'll still have problems and it, uh, and that has been hard on the family partly also because you know um the the the, the people around you the people you know in your village or your city will not understand yeah why your child has to be so difficult uh, yeah. so it's it's been quite quite hard on them yeah, yeah and is horrible. there any scenario it's it's always exclusively in males you don't see this in females or is there any scenario in which they can be affected there is but that would be highly theoretical i think you're yeah. you're very unlikely to see that yeah mm, interesting but but actually we're now talking about because there's been so much work done in in mice with this this type of mutation that mm. there are now some some ideas that some kind of inhibiting a, a certain serotonin receptor might be beneficial uh, and i'm now so some of the younger patients that are now co- step uh, coming forward or the families mm-hmm. um, they think that perhaps it would be better to if we tried something with medication to to um make them give, provide them more stability essentially mm-hmm. Um, and if we could, so we're we're contemplating that we you'd have to it would have to be quite carefully controlled, and in a quite um, uh, safe setting because it would be somewhat experimental therapy. But I think there is a need, at least for some uh, of mm. these children, to have that kind of medical treatment. So that might happen. And mm. uh, we're thinking about it. Yeah, and I think the ability to that uh, to recognize more of individuals affected with this condition. Uh, makes it easier to make a case to actually start thinking and and working towards some therapy, right? Because if your if your N is bigger than than one uh, consecutively, then I suppose it's easier to convince people to work on the on on something. Uh, but actually, what I wanted to ask you, uh, Han, is as we were re- researching a little bit about the MAOA, uh, reading up on the internet and stuff, we came across this. Uh, this label where people were calling a warrior gene or uh, aggressive gene. So I just want to ask you, what do you make of this concept of giving this like single label into the gene? Does this help to raise the awareness or, or has completely a uh, different effect? No, I'm, I'm generally quite, quite negative about that. I think that's, yeah. that's just, it's, it's, it's not even an oversimplification. I think yeah. that's just goes beyond the facts and it's not helpful because it, it creates this uh, this caricature uh, and, and it's it's no longer you're no longer talking about what's really happening there. So I think that's been, been helpful only to the journalists uh, use those <laughs> phrases and to a few companies who are, who are selling genetic oh, tests really? 
yeah. uh, that you can find on the internet and you pay them $300 and it's a company in Switzerland. But I think all of that is madness. Yeah. So we really shouldn't, um, shouldn't um, be doing that. But I think yeah. the image is so strong. You see, be, genes and behavior are, uh, it's a powerful combination and it, it creates all kinds of, of responses. So I can understand that if you, if you coin a phrase like warrior gene, um, that you're as a journalist, you're rewarded because that will be picked up by by the mm. people and the social media. But I think it makes no sense. Yeah, you, you know when I when I actually read this first time, like someone calling it a warrior gene, I started immediately thinking. And I don't know if you've seen that movie, but it's called Rampage, and it has Dwayne the Rock Johnson's <laughs> in it. And they were trying to make like a, a they tried to inject a little bit of science into that movie, and they were. They were talking about CRISPR because they were all scientists and they were saying like, oh, we, we cloned gene for speed and the gene for strength and the gene for that. And I was like, oh, geez, this is, this is not how it works. So oh. when I saw this warrior gene, I was like, this is exactly the same mentality yeah, between yeah. that movie. Yeah. yeah, it is that. Actually, the, the, the MAOA gene has been in a few movies. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been a few movies about this. <laughs> mostly people, mostly sort of these semi-documentary type things where mm. a journalist goes and and gets tested for the polymorphism mm. and the, so the polymorphism uh, as you know is is just where there's two uh two versions of the gene yeah in the population so they're they're generally harmless and this one is two i think there's a the meoa po uh, polymorphism is harmless yeah, yeah. Um, it, it has been suggested that if you have the, the so-called low activity version of the, the MEOA, which is like one in three males. Like it's not like um, people with a lot of problems. It's just yeah. generally one in three males that if you're then put under extreme stress, that your your the outcome could be worse, including aggression. I'm not entirely convinced that the research actually supports that. I mean, there's, there, there's been papers about it, but I'm not sure that's the final conclusion. So I think the evidence is a bit out there. Mm -hmm. But you can definitely not turn that on its head and say, okay, so if you have this low, so-called low activity version, like, you know, one in three of all men, mm -hmm. uh, that that should, you know, would be in any way predictive of what's going to happen to you or how you're going to behave. I don't think that makes sense. So oh, wow. um, the reason they called it a warrior gene is when they looked in Europeans, it's one in three. And in Ma Maori in New Zealand, it's more like 50%. Wow. This so the, the low activity polymorphism. Yeah, it's slightly more, more frequent. Hmm. And then they said, well, the, the Maori in New Zealand, they do the, the, the dance, right? The yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which Haka. looks really um, impressive. <laughs> and they do this for before rugby games. The New Zealand mm, rugby yeah. team does, does the haka. Yeah. So there's like these, it's a huge leap. There are several leaps there yeah, of yeah. thinking uh, away from the gene and what <laughs> it actually does into something that is, you know, what does, what, if you ask me, does rugby have to do with this gene? I don't know. Uh, but all of that sort of condensed into the world. Yeah. I think that's just ridiculous. But so like, so to clear, clarify, you don't think polymorphisms can have a real role in behavioral changes in affected individuals? Well, I think, the, oh, I do think they can have a role. A role. Polymorphism can have a role. But I think 
if you were going to to say how big is that role, I think it would be tiny in almost every situation. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, it's a nature nurture thing. You have to create a really, really unfavorable uh, environment, nurture, mm -hmm. for this polymorphism to become relevant. So it, I think it's only relevant in very extreme circumstances. Mm -hmm. What people do is they apply they apply this the companies apply this to you know everyday people everyday circumstances that i don't think that makes any sense yeah, yeah. and even you know this has been used twice in uh, court cases uh yeah that, um, that that was what we were going to bring up as well um what was it what, yeah, what so maybe maybe before we get into the, the 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 court case um i i wanted to ask you um there was a paper that me and Evan came across, uh, so it's fresh in our head, maybe not so much in yours, but it was a paper by Caspi uh, published in 2002 when they followed up 1,000 plus male participants from childhood to adulthood, and they tried to assess the effect of maltreatment and the level of MAOA on aggressive behavior and whether they overlap with each other. So that was more for the audience if they're not familiar with the paper. Uh, so yeah, based on this, is it uh, is it good enough evidence exactly to be used Wait, in the before, case? Wait, uh, before uh, sorry, Tom, can I just maybe can we just explain what the paper found? If you look in that, so basically in the in the paper, they're seeing that maltreatment for for uh, young males was a significant predictor of aggression, um, but low activity MOAO, MAOA was didn't have a significant effect on aggression, but low activity MAOA and the maltreatment they combined did have a significant effect on aggression so based on this um, do you think this was good enough evidence to be used in a court case to defend an individual's act action um, no no <laughs> I think I think it's a nice it's a nice study uh, and it was uh, it, it like my study on the on the family, this hit the news, right? It was mm. it made them really famous. I think there's some, there's a, a, quite a few things that are very good about this study. One is that it was a, a prospective cohort, it was a birth cohort from I think Dunedin, New Zealand. Uh, not Maori, by the way, just Dunedin. Yeah, and uh, and they were followed uh, over the years, and then they tested for this polymorphism. Now, uh, I think it's about a thousand, at least a thousand people or a thousand boys born in a certain year yeah, that were yeah. followed up. Uh, and then they looked at maltreatment or they, 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 they um, cataloged the, basically the home situation, you know, was this, was this uh, um, uh, safe? Was it um, nurturing? Was it, you know, a good and a home environment, or was this um, difficult? Was there maltreatment? Now, maltreatment was was I think was quite broadly defined. Yeah, it's. Uh, but only, of course, um, th that was only a small segment of the the one thousand or so boys had mm. severe maltreatment. So the numbers are small, and then they and then the outcome was antisocial behavior. So oh. it wasn't aggression. It was a much broader than that. Yeah. So that's when you, um, you know, so somebody gets, a 16-year-old gets drunk 
and uh, ruins the, the bus stand, which I think 16-year-olds do occasionally when they're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Most countries, that would count as antisocial behavior, I think. Oh, mm-hmm. well, that would definitely count as anti So it was a broad definition of problems. Okay. Even so, this group uh, that had more, it was only 12 males, I think, in the end. Oh, okay. So it was really small numbers. I, I'm not arguing it wasn't significant. It was significant. I'm not arguing it was totally irrelevant. I'm just saying it's not enough by itself to 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 say that's a credible link. I'm specifically saying it's not. It does not link in any way to either violence, which was not measured separately, or aggression, which was I think was not measured separately, and certainly not to criminality. Which is what, which is the link that people have been making, yeah, with yeah. criminals and, uh, and and psychopaths and so on. I don't think this has anything to do with that, yeah. Um, especially not psychopathy. Psychopathy being the, there, you know, do you know there's two types of aggression at least? Like one is reactive and the other is uh, the cold planning. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, psychopath. adaptive and maladaptive, or or something like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So there's. You know, if you're challenged, then, you know, it's not abnormal to become aggressive. Yeah, yeah. You should be able to regulate your aggression, but it's not abnormal. Yeah, it's interesting. If, you, I do... if you're not challenged and you just like hurting other people, <laughs> that is a different story. We call that psychopathy. Yeah, and that's yeah. where some of these, you know, the Silence of the Lambs, these really scary movies mm. are usually about psychopaths, people who have no, no mercy, no empathy, no... Actually, no feeling for other people. That's yeah. a very different concept from losing control and hurting someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this uh, is about losing control. It's not about psychopathy. Yeah, yeah. Because I do remember that in that study they said like the combined low activity MAOA and the maltreatment. It was like eighty-five percent of the participants um, had both that were had the increased aggression. But now you, as you said, it was such low numbers. It's really hard to know. How, how conclusive it could be. Um, well, that could be 10 of 12, but then, yeah. you know, and they they um, they ruined the bus stand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that yeah. On a Friday night. So is that, you know, is that enough? I'm not sure. Yeah, but it, it was enough because, as you mentioned, the Amer- American murder case where the death sentence was changed to 32 years in prison because he had this low MAOA expression combined with this maltreatment so obviously uh like general people in the general public believe that this is something that um is is worth like taking into consideration so yeah most most um that's true and and of course in the in the that there were two cases one was in in italy and the other was in in uh, in america i think the this american a case, I think that guy was, he really planned it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just dreadful. Uh, and I don't think there was any indication of maltreatment before. What what happened was, I think it was, to, so the, in, in America, the jury, which is just the general public, they decide yeah. on, on, on what a person is guilty of. And then the judge um, 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 gives out the sentence. And I think the judge can decide how high or how low the sentence is. But guilty or not guilty, I think that's for the jury. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think they were impressed by what they perceived as science. So the, the lawyer for, for this, uh, this killer, was he, he tried to kill his, his ex-wife and he killed her friend anyway. It was, it was a really terrible. I think they were, so the, I cannot blame the lawyers for trying this. So they had him tested. He had this low activity um, polymorphism, like one in three men, <laughs> and uh, and and the, and the and the jury was impressed. I think they were impressed for the wrong reasons, and I know because there's some some there's a, a some was something in the newspaper where the judge commented on this, and he said um, he he basically said he thought that was a really terrible decision by the jury, but there was nothing he could do. Yeah. yeah. So I think most most legal specialists don't think this is a good idea, and and it doesn't work like that. I think um, they say you know even if you're, it's hard, isn't it? I, I I hesitate because actually I I did at one point from the family that I described, mm-hmm. but that's not the polymorphisms. They, yeah, they really the, yeah. had a problem. I was asked by the family to write to a judge about one of the men. Yeah. Who had done something not quite as terrible, uh, but something for which he had to, uh, you know, he had to come to the the court. Do time, yeah. Uh, uh, no, not quite time. I think he would. Oh. it wasn't as bad as all that. Okay. But it was. It was something. You know, he had the judge. He was. He was going to go to court, and um, and I wrote a letter. I did write a letter. I said, you know, it is true that this person, in a stressful situation, would have less. Um, inhibition mm. uh, because of his genes. And then it becomes a bit like, you know, can you in the courtroom, if you say, I was completely drunk when I did that, yeah. are you going to get less, are you less culpable? Yeah. And I think to yeah. some people, I think that is used as a defense. So if, you know, I was very drunk, so I didn't know what I was doing. If that's a defense, then perhaps not having MAOA is also can yeah. also be a similar defense. Now, I don't think it's very likely that you're then going to go out to be, uh, you know, the judge is not going to say, right, uh, you know, no problem, hmm. go away, stop drinking, or, you know, no problem, go away, change your gene. But I think it's not, not completely unreasonable that you would take these factors into account, I think, yeah. even in a courtroom. It does open a can of, like, worms, almost like how how far is it, like, oh, I was under the influence of drugs or of alcohol or like how how much do you, in control do you have to be um yeah and it's interesting um so like continuing on about this low activity MAOA and maltreatment if the if the individual does have this low MAOA activity and they are more susceptible to aggression behavior in the future what what's the best way to capitalize on this information um especially for maybe for kids or is there well, that, any way yeah. of capitalizing on it? So I think there's there's a few steps. I think you need to get help and you need to be offered help. And that would, in the first instance, that would be uh, you know, behavioral therapy, um, help in, 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 you know, you just basically need support as a, as mm. a family. Uh, and, up, and either from, you know, from, from, from the, the wider family, which, which, I think people have done quite well, but also from professionals. So I think these people 
would benefit from, uh, they, you know, they basically they benefit from a stable environment, uh, like like most of us actually, but it's more important to them. And I think you can do that, and that has quite an impact. So that's that's something you really can do, and they and and the family has done that. So some of these men actually live with a sister. So their sister has a fa- has her fam has her own family, and mm. these men who are usually single. Uh, some of them have moved in with a sister, mm. who then um, you know basically just looks after their their them and their rhythm, and and that prevents a lot of problems. But do you think it's it's a good? Golden... The other thing is the other thing that you might might um, consider is is uh, diet, because oh. we know MEOA also um, is important for for uh, for breaking down and and, and digesting. Some of the stuff that is in in um, red wine and French cheese, and that can also, um, uh, if you have too much of those, you can that you can also uh, uh, that can also affect your brain. We don't know if a diet is going to to improve the behavior, but that's uh, that's something you might want to do, or to try. And the third thing you might want to try is to um, to um, normalize the neurotransmitters in the brain with drugs, but that hasn't really been. And that's something we we are thinking about trying hmm. for some of these uh, these boys now. So there's quite a few things you could do. Okay, interesting. And uh, when I was like when I was talking with Evan about um, about this case of MAOA, whether it is a <clears throat> it is an actual mutation that gives a pheno- phenotype, or whether it's the is the variable uh, um, polymorphism. Somehow we start discussing about. Could you be labeled based on these genes, and what would be the consequences of putting people in the categories? Uh, but like, could it be? Do you would you ever think that screening for this would be used as an you know for individuals to be characterized in the future, or this is so outrageous that probably nobody would want to touch this based on history of humankind? Ha! That's the million dollar question, is it? <laughs> ha, um, yeah. So I'm I'm. I'm generally really optimistic about you know how sensible people are, yeah. but in this respect, I'm not very optimistic. So I think um, it's entirely possible that um, people would be tested for the polymorphism and they would be excluded from certain jobs, or you know you would once you start uh, dating, you want uh, you you ask your partner to show uh, uh, his MEOA uh, profile. <laughs> And, yeah. You know, if he's got the wrong profile, you don't want to date him anymore. Yeah. I think those things could happen. I think it would be uh, crazy, but we do, you know, people do crazy things. So I think you need to be, first of all, we need to talk about it and, and provide as much science as we can. Yeah. Skeptically inclined. <laughs> but, um, which is what I'm trying to do. And I've always given interviews about this, t- saying this. Mm. Um, the other thing is that you want to, you probably want to have laws about genetic discrimination because that's what this is about. And, and those should be strong. We do actually have, the US has quite strong laws against genetic discrimination that could be applied to this. They mm. came from, from you know, what, what people call racial differences. Yeah. Uh, and that's why the laws were were instituted, not because of this gene, but I think the gene they they do apply to the gene and certain certain misuse and uh, and and 
malleuse of this gene. So I think that we, we already have quite good laws that you could use to prevent that from, from getting out of hand. Yeah, it's kind of scary though, because like so many, like all these uh, genealogy websites now, everyone has their, a lot of people have their already, their whole uh, DNA sequence up there. So it's not out of the realm to think that it can be just used then to screen for MAOA. So yeah, it, 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 it uh, could even be done right now. So who knows? Um, Correct. Yeah. And there is, there is also, there is already in the US, there is this company that have been, not just MAOA, but, but these types of genes that have been playing with this in the realm of, uh, of IVF. So if you're going to have a yeah. baby in vitro it. fertilization, then uh, uh, you know you have the sperm and the egg, and then you have the the, the developing embryo, and then you uh, in uh, in IVF it is done implanted, yeah, yeah. It's put in the womb. Now one thing you can do before you implant is you can test, you can take a single cell of that embryo and test it genetically. Hmm. And uh, there is a company in the US now, I think in San Diego or Los Angeles, you know, California, mm -hmm. where they are saying, you know, we'll give you the best embryo. And they're testing for this type of thing. I'm not sure whether they're testing MAOA specifically, but they're testing for this type of thing. Again, I think, no, you could argue this two, two ways. One is, you know, it's madness and yeah. it's not going to make a difference because all of these polymorphisms, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they have so little influence. Uh, you know, it, 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 there is... The, the, your choice of partner is a, a million times more important to what comes, you know, what what um, results, yeah. what the results are than than what you can do with with this kind of genetic test. So it's not it's it, it's not at all powerful, but conceptually, I think it's quite worrying, and people have have ob have objected to this quite strongly. Yeah. But then, what the you know the US being what it is, mm. um. I think it's not illegal. And but what they've done is that company have now said, no, 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 we're not we're not talking about improving humankind. We're just talking about avoiding very severe genetic disease, which is not what they promised in the first instance. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's we're we're it's it's timely as always, it's timely to have that debate. Yeah. God scary. Scary in a Would way. you like to have your child? Would I like I to have know. a tailored baby? <laughs> I don't know. If a I baby. could only do one thing is I would like to make sure that my baby will not have recessive hairline <laughs> that like I do and my father and my grandfather. I think it runs deep in the family. So uh, yeah, and I think every generation the recessive hairline starts aerial and aerial. So if I could uh, if I could put stop to that, I think I would. <laughs> Very compassionate. I don't. There's. A, I don't think there's a gene for that. I think that, that, that's quite complex. Uh, yeah. 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 There's no gene for recessive hairline. Uh, yeah, and I think. But, just, it, but it does. It does. You know, it, it does really worry me. Um, yeah. It doesn't. No, I'm. 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 I'm I should rephrase. Uh, you know, publishing this information um, has been, you know, fantastically interesting as an experience. I got so much response like when i published in 1993 i was on the phone for two weeks like morning to night talking to journalists you know in the, the early yeah. morning they would call from from uh, australia and in the in the late at night they would call from los angeles i was just wow. non-stop 
discussing yeah. the science, which was fun. Uh, so it had a really big impact on this, you know, genes can actually influence your behavior, which was not proven before that. So I'm very, I'm very proud of that, actually, that it was a, it changed the paradigm from, yeah, um, from a nature only, you know, it's all, oh, sorry, nurture only. It's a, it's all about, you know, how you're, how you're, are you, are your race and, and the environment to a more nuanced um, and more balanced situation where it's genes and environment. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, so I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm not happy with how good I've been able to bring across that. It is actually quite complex and there's no point in simplifying yeah. that complexity, but then perhaps, you know, I don't, perhaps that's not for the scientists to do. We can only try. I think, I think these last two years, year and a half really showed where the lay person knowledge about science stands, uh, coming out from the lockdown and having, having seen so many protesters rightfully protesting or not, that's outside the topic, but it's, I think it's, it's evident now that if if people don't know something, they will just jump into conclusions and and believe in their own conclusions. So I don't think is is that you didn't do the, a good enough job. I think it's the whole science community that should actually double down and and make science fun and popularize it and just make it also accessible to people so they know what is what what is what, rather than just jumping to conclusions. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then just final question actually on MAOA. Um, and you kind of just mentioned it there with the whole nature versus nurture. Um, to what extent do you think the environment plays a role in how the the mutation affects individuals, or would these individuals come become aggressive in a stable environment? I suppose you did touch on that when you mentioned the family original that they they were managed in their environment. Yeah. I think there's only so much you can do. And because you see, um, so the stable environment is really important and it does have an impact and it does change the outcome, but it doesn't prevent um, serious uh, outbursts from happening. Mm -hmm. So um, so I don't think it's enough. I think you have to consider, um, for this particular instance, I think you have to consider um, uh, a pharmacological treatment of some kind. Yeah. And the reason for that is that the, the, the neurotransmitters are so unbalanced mm. and they're, they're unbalanced from birth at a time when your brain is still developing. And I don't think it's fair to your brain to expect it to develop normally in such an abnormal um, a brain environment, you know, the, the, mm. the neurotransmitters to some extent are the environment of the, of the brain cells. Uh, and and there's uh, so I think I don't think um, providing uh, and I think ultimately actually the the family has provided as stable an environment as uh, as they as is possible yeah and they because it's a really good family but they still couldn't prevent these things from happening yeah. so I think it needs it needs a bit more than that yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting though as well um, like just evolutionary wise how it is so rare. Um, and obviously, if it if it just manifests as aggression, you would think maybe it would be more commonly seen. But obviously, maybe there wasn't an evolutionary advantage to having. No, I think there's a there's a great there's a terrific disadvantage. Yeah. I mean, um, 
Well, if in this family, the the men who have this generally don't marry. Oh, okay. So you can't find a partner. They're they're just too uh, too difficult. Mm. So there's a there's a, a really big disadvantage in, in society. Mm. Okay. I don't think actually I don't think aggression is is very advantageous in society generally. I think it's the the yeah. smooth operators who uh, <laughs> who, who yeah. benefit most. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so then, just coming up to the end of the interview. So you've worked as the head of genetics in Nijmegen since 1998. Uh, what is the, exciting you the most about genetics at the moment and going into the future? All right, uh, I'll try to be brief because it's a really exciting time in genetics. The exciting time is, so what was exciting until now is that we were gradually starting to understand what is going on. You know, what causes blindness? What causes deafness? What causes severe intellectual handicap and disability? We now understand a lot about those things. So what is exciting now is that we, we, we all, we're translating this into therapies. And we're really going to change people's future. It used to be that your genes are your destiny. Well, no longer. We can we can start to manage them. So that's what exciting. And uh, uh, I'm I'm 65, so I'll retire in a little bit. And I'll, <laughs> no, so I'll not yes. be. A, I'm, and uh, I'll be. I'll retire a happy man. But I'm, I'll also, you know, I'll. I'm kind of uh, sad that I'm not 25 anymore and I can't be part of this new revolution where we we start treating things mm-hmm. uh, in a rational way. And I think that's going to happen. So it's a, it's a fantastic time for genetics. Um, can I just have a follow-up question here? You know, uh, I work with blindness and it's, at this point it's very obvious to me that if you want to uh, stop progression of blindness, we have to interfere in the specific therapeutic window that is open within the patients because uh, from the genetic point of view, once your uh, visual cells, the photoreceptors are gone, there is no much point of common with the therapy. Uh, you being an expert in uh, cognitive diseases, is there any uh, such a therapeutic window for people who suffer from intellectual disabilities that is, a, that is a good to common with the therapy or is it more on the basis of characterizing the patients and describing diseases and not as much as trying to come up with a treatment? So I think I think we used to think that because the brain is wired, there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a genetic def- defect, it's there from the start. Uh, you're, you're, you know, it's abnormal, you know, end of story. I don't think that's true. I think there's, there's quite a bit you can do to stabilize the system because part of the problem is that this, the, the brain system, if, it's, if there's a genetic defect, is unstable. And I think we can do lots in that direction. That would not cure or, or um, change. It would not give people extra IQ points. Yeah. But if you provided, if you ask families, you know, parents, what, what do you want for your child? It's not IQ points. What they want is for the child is to sleep, to oh. have normal sleep, okay. to oh. have less behavioral issues. Mm. So I think these are, to some extent, they're not wired. They're about the state of the the brain as a system. Mm. I'm I so I'm 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 quite optimistic there, and I'm not a, a, a fatalist. I think there there is lots of opportunities, but you need to be modest about your goals. But even modest goals, I think, can have a a really big impact. 
Okay, and uh, I'm uh, I have the privilege uh, and to ask you the uh, the very last questions in our sitting today. Um, so we've talked a lot about MAOA gene, and but but was it your favorite paper uh, that you have published, or was it actually something else that you have very fond memories of of publishing? Yeah, there's a, there's a few. Um, this is a debate, the vanity question, isn't it? <laughs> Actually, we, we ask this question. We always do this to every guest, just to see. <laughs> okay, there's two. What, uh, I have two papers, um, or two, yeah, where I that of, are of a type where there was a a, a a medical problem. One was early puberty in males. This is another interesting story where boys have go into puberty from age three. Uh, which creates all and have high testosterone, which creates all kinds of problems. Um, and I, I worked out by just thinking about the problem. I worked out what the gene was and what the mutation was. Seriously, I did. And wow. uh, uh, so that was just it was the puzzle aspect of this, right? That that uh, and this, similarly, um, it's about thinking that new mutations would be the the major cause of intellectual disability. That's something I I realized when I was. Um, uh, reviewing a thesis in Denmark mm. for a student from Iceland who was working on schizophrenia, and he said, "How is it possible that schizophrenia is does not um, if it's genetic? Schizophrenia is partly genetic. Why do we not lose schizophrenia because it has such obvious disadvantage?" Mm. And I thought, and I was we were just reviewing this thesis. And I thought new mutations yeah. have to be new mutations. And and then applied it to intellectual disability. So it's it's these two situations where, where you know, by just thinking about a problem for a very long time, by some kind of strange coincidence, all of a sudden you think, ah, you know, you have this yeah. this epiphany. So, yes, so those two moments. Those are my my favorite um, favorite moments in science. I think. Amazing, Hans. Great. Well, uh, I'm sure you can be uh, rest assured now you're passing the bat on to Tom in the genetics and he's going to be the new up-and-coming uh, genetic researcher. Yeah, I think he's going to be the professor. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be the next professor. Are you ready, Tom? All these genetic okay, thanks. judgments. <laughs> thanks, guys. Wrong, wrong subject. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. That was, uh, was super interesting. Uh, really interesting discussion and um yeah it was gr it was great uh, thanks for coming on thank you um, for your time pleasure bye yeah. bye you, Han. thanks bye. again bye. bye thank you everyone for listening this was professor han brunner talking to us about meoa and its links to aggressive behavior i hope everyone uh, found it as fascinating as myself and evan did we definitely uh, learned a lot uh, and unfortunately, the time we had is not enough to uh, to find everything what it was. But I, we hope that we induced your curiosity and we encourage you to go on your own pursuit of knowledge. So stay skeptical and catch you on the next one.